I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Work It. Work It is a new podcast all about entrepreneurs who happen to be women. Hosted by me, journalist Angelica Malin brought to you in collaboration with WorkLife. If you are looking for a new place to work, then there is a home for you at WorkLife. They specialise in private offices, hot desking and happiness. Whether you're looking for a coffee shop alternative or a private hub for you and your team, they've got options for all. This week, I am joined by two incredible female entrepreneurs, Hannah Lewin, who is a personal trainer specialising in training only women, and Naomi White, founder of Naomi White Communications, which is a PR agency that specialises in health and wellness. So we're going to be talking this week about building a brand, building up a client base, how you get your name out there, stand out from the crowd and everything to do with entrepreneurship. I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome to Work It. Thank you so much for joining me, guys. So this week I'm joined by Naomi. Hello. And Hannah. Hello. If you could briefly introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about what you do. So um, I founded Naomi White Communications four years ago, which is a health and wellness communications agency. Fantastic. I am Hannah Lewin. I'm a personal trainer and I founded my um, women-only PT business about two years ago now. Amazing. Can you both tell me a little bit about how you ended up working in the fitness industry? I know that you're in PR, but you specialise in health and fitness brands. Uh, could you tell me about how the, how this journey ended up? Did you know you wanted to work for yourself, Naomi? Sure. Um, so originally, I have a passion for health and fitness aside from my business, which is where the idea kind of stemmed from. But the reason I got into health and fitness initially was when I was 16, I got diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And my specialist recommended that a way of feeling better, it was never going to cure it, but a way of feeling better in myself would be to, to exercise more. So that's kind of where it stemmed from. Mm. Um, and then my business has kind of evolved since then. Okay, amazing. How about you, Hannah? Um, I actually started in PR. I started working about 12 years ago now, my goodness. Um, Worked in PR for about nine years and actually qualified as my level two PT about kind of seven years ago or so. Um, I then had a little boy. I had my son um, about four years ago now. And it was really at that point that I decided to leave PR and kind of move into what my true passion was, which was, of course, personal training and particularly sort of working with women. Um, so that's about four years ago. Um, I decided very much kind of early on that I wanted to work for myself, having been employed for a long time, um, really 
I kind of wanted to train people in a certain way. And I felt that unless I worked for myself, it wasn't perhaps going to be that easy to do so. So mm-hmm. hence, I kind of, it was a very big decision, a very big leap, but one, you know, I'm very glad that I made now. The first um, thing that I wanted to talk about was confidence. Is like mm. how you build up the confidence to do that, to go it alone, to be self-employed. It's a quite a scary step. Yeah, um, how sure were both of you in what you were doing and before you kind of took, were there questions that you asked yourself before you took that leap? I think mine wasn't necessarily confidence. I got to a point in my job where I knew something was was missing. It wasn't fulfilling me in in Mm. some kind of way. So I had this realisation one day that the job I was doing behind the desk that I was at wasn't necessarily... I didn't need to be there to do what I was doing. I could essentially do the job myself. Was this a PR job? Yeah. Uh, So at that particular agency, I'd actually set up the health and fitness division. So I, I knew that everything that was there was kind of a result of what I've done. So I just had to believe that I had the capability to then take it further and do Mm. it for myself. Mm. So that's where the confidence element comes into it. It's more of a belief that you are capable of doing that without having people above you telling you what to do because we've all got initiative, we've all got common sense. I think it was, for me, I had a realisation one day and just thought, what's the worst that can happen? Mm. And the only thing I could think of when I said that was I couldn't pay my rent and if that's really the worst thing that could happen if I don't have a job I can't pay my rent I would then just have to go and get another job yeah so the worst that happens is that you go get a job exactly the worst that could happen I I go and get another job at a PR agency and that's kind of the path that would have been made for me I suppose Mm. I'm a big advocate of the kind of companies that you can start that you're almost already doing and Mm -hmm. then you can go and do them and like you said not having a huge amount of responsibility or not taking like loads of investor money I feel like if I'd done about time with some investment the whole thing would have crumbled because Mm -hmm. it was too much pressure Mm -hmm. on it so doing something that's a little lower pressure yeah and just to see if you like kind of working for yourself anyway yeah did you have the confidence to do what you're doing now um it was quite a big step for me obviously I had a a son to support um as well so I was very aware that it wasn't just me that Mm. I I had to support so if it all kind of didn't go if it all went horribly wrong then you know there were perhaps two two of us that would be affected um I it basically got to a point where I was I went back to work quite quickly after my maternity leave and I was basically kind of going to work at 7am coming home at 7pm and just frankly not being the mother that I wanted to be I really felt at that point I just thought I'm just going to make a big leap I kind of I I did put some place that the thing I guess that gave me the confidence was that I made sure that I had a little bit of financial backing i.e I kind of kind of really drilled down saved as hard as I could for a couple of months so that I had a few months of buffer Mm. and I think that's really important I think it's quite an important point I think for me um confidence to make the I guess first step of the business was to make sure that I had a little bit of financial security so Mm. that has to say I had a couple of months should it go wrong I could pay my mortgage etc but for me I just got to a point where the job I was doing wasn't sustainable and I thought it really has to be now or never Mm. um and I was kind of PTing a few people on the side and I thought actually people seem to be rehiring me or like renewing their um, renewing their session blocks and actually maybe this is something I could do um and it sort of stemmed from there yeah just backing yourself I suppose that's the hard thing yeah backing yourself is really important but I mean backing yourself from a confidence point of view but also I think having um a bit of structure behind you is is can be really important I think like a 
a three-month buffer zone. That, Absolutely. That would be, that's kind of what I did. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, there's also really something in starting a business when you're young, because mm-hmm. when I started it, I was living at home, and that was mm-hmm. just so much easier, because mm-hmm. it was like, yeah. there was someone stocking the fridge for me. I mean, that's yeah. now, that's such a glorious <laughs> idea that someone else was buying the I food. I kind of don't feel that the financial element gets talked about enough. I think there's so much, like, on Instagram and, and social media about kind of just living, like, going yeah. for your dream and going mm-hmm. after it, and, like, kind of just going for it. And I think, you know, the greatest respect, it's all very well to do that when you're perhaps 18, yeah. you live with your parents, you know mortgage, you know outgoings. But I think it's a very different conversation when you're sort of mid-20s, 30s or 30s. Yeah. Let's say late 20s. <laughs> I started my business. Sort of late 20s. Um, yeah, I think it's a very different conversation then when you have responsibilities. It's very true. And we host a lot of like business panel talks. And so often I hear founders saying, are you paying yourself a salary? And mm. so often these business founders that look like they've got these incredible businesses aren't paying themselves. Yeah. And that's like one of the, so they're not taking holidays, they're not doing mm. anything that you would normally do mm-hmm. in a company. What do you wish that you'd known before you started the business? What do you wish someone would have told you about running your own business? I think that it can be lonely sometimes. Mm-hmm. When you're first starting out, you're, you are just a one-man band. I think you really have to be very structured in what you're doing so that you're, you've obviously got your day mapped out. But for a lot of people that are just starting out, you can't afford to have an office. You can't afford to have like a co-working space. So for a lot of people, it mm. is a case of working from your living room and watching this morning whilst you're working and watching Jeremy <laughs> Carl and they're literally the people that you're talking to on a daily basis. <laughs> I'm quite lucky in PR that obviously all day I'm pretty much talking to journalists and I can go out and meet people but for a lot of people starting out that that's not actually the case and it can become kind of claustrophobic I suppose Mm. so and what kind of remedies are there for that loneliness period like if you can't afford a co-working space is it a case of finding other people that are also perhaps freelance and and like working together with someone I was quite lucky when I um when I first started out a lot of my clients offer their their offices for me to go and work out which is a really nice dynamic for me as a PR because I get to be there and actually learning more about the business and being almost almost like an in-house PR for Mm. for a day, Mm. which that was quite nice to have that ability, but also connecting with other freelancers, going to work at, even if it's like Starbucks, you have to buy a coffee and then you're working there all day. It is making that conscious effort to actually go out and network with people Mm. and find like-minded individuals to work with because otherwise it's a bit of a lonely space. Yeah, Yeah, it can be kind of maddening because you're Mm. like, what am I doing? This isn't normal. And we are so conditioned to think that the nine to five is what working looks Mm -hmm. like. And anything outside of that structure, you're a bit like, you start questioning yourself. So having other people. Um, Hannah, what do you wish you knew? That you can actually say no to stuff um for me when I you know when I started out PTing for the first I would say four or five months I'm also a cycling instructor so I would be working in the east then going to the west then going back to south London so I was going all over the place because I was so terrified of not having Mm. um, an income for that month Mm -hmm. so I was kind of killing myself but actually what I was doing was wasting a lot of time so I was wasting time um kind of you know thought I was I mean, really, I was, thought I was paying myself by kind of getting, you know, these classes and, and PT clients. But actually, by the time I sat down and looked at it properly, um, the time wasted actually meant that I wasn't earning the money that I thought I was. So by the time you travel and, and mm. that kind of thing. So you can kind of say no to stuff that doesn't actually propel your business forward. Mm. Yeah. It's pretty scary to say no to a guaranteed money, a guaranteed income for that particular job. But actually, I think long term, it does pay off. And I think that's perhaps where a financial buffer comes in very much mm. in a really, really handy 
um, handy way. In, term, yeah. in terms of the finances, like while we're, while we're on the topic, how as a as a freelancer, as a business owner, do you know like price wise what to charge for these things? I know there's like industry standards, but how can you understand your own like self worth and, and putting a price on something and talking about it? Um, That's something that I struggled with in the beginning, in all honesty, because there were I was quite young when I started out as a freelancer, so I was 24, and at, at that time I had no idea how much people would charge as a day rate. Mm -hmm. So I had the option of offering my services as a day rate or offering them as a retainer, which is traditionally how a PR agency would work. So for a long time, I did day rates. And then I actually realized that I was probably doing myself a little bit of an injustice because I ended up working more hours than I was probably charging for. Mm. So ultimately, I decided probably about 18 months ago to do more of a retainer base and just monitor the amount of time that I'm spending on each client and basing it on their needs as well. A lot of the time a client will come to you with a budget, which is great because then obviously you can you can then scale it and mm. allow them to understand what that actually buys in terms of, in terms of your time. Mm. So I think it was trial and error. I think I probably did make a few mistakes where I undercharged um, and now I've got to a point where it is knowing your worth and knowing exactly what people are willing to pay for the service that you provide and do you think that was also a confidence thing that you were charging a certain amount and now you've come coming back to a client and saying actually this is now what i charge and that transition yeah and it, it, it is it all comes down to confidence and also the confidence to have the money conversation mm. it's a very awkward conversation i think anyone has i think it's just it comes back to knowing your worth if you can go into a room and know that this is how much other people, other clients would pay their agencies. Why should you be paid any less? Because you're a freelancer. And yeah. And even if you're a one-man band, like, mm -hmm. more effect, like, effective PR often comes from one person who knows what's going on than a big agency. Yeah. So, um, and how about uh, money in, like, the PT world? I guess there's there's more standardised pricing. Absolutely. I think it probably is a bit easier for, yeah. as, as a PT. Um, I think the thing... Um, for me is that I was able to kind of, you know, I get it was quite, it's easy to kind of look at other PTs, see what they were charging, but also seeing kind of how long they've been running, what they, if they specialize in anything particular. Um, and I think for me, obviously I knew very early on that I only wanted to work with women and the kind of women that I wanted to work with. Um, and so I kind of set my, my rate accordingly to what I thought was fair for my experience, my time and their, perhaps the, the woman that I was trying to attract as a client. I think my kind of PR and sales background gave me some confidence in holding my holding my, my price for my mm. sessions and holding my worth. It enabled me to kind of talk about price without apologising. Mm. And that's something I was taught when I was very young to kind of give a rate and not say, oh, okay, you know, make it an awkward conversation, but actually just state your rate and then mm. say nothing. You mm. don't have to apologise or to justify it. Mm. Or throw in added extra Absolutely. you're not confident yeah. that the thing what you're offering within that package is is enough for the how much mm. you've quoted yeah absolutely it's so true like always trying to justify those numbers so like why and that's you? a female yeah. thing as it well absolutely like, is yeah i never see my boyfriend like shirking no. and being like oh that's because of but that don't. Like, put it on the table you say nothing yeah. and that's that and i i wish i had that kind of confidence sometimes mm. to, to but just... that 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 took years and as i say that that very that comes from a lot of sales a lot of pr training when i was much younger mm. um that i was horrible at at the time but really 
really has stood me in very good stead as I sort of moved into my 30s about just setting a price and that's it. Yeah. That's what I charge. Fantastic. In terms of building a client base and actually having some people that are going to pay you and hire you and allow you to continue what you're doing, do you have any advice to share on building up that client base um, and attracting kind of new people into your business? To date, all of the clients that I have are through word of mouth. So I'm a true believer in being confident and actually performing to what you've promised so basically delivering Mm. and then other people will talk about you recommend you to other brands and that's really how I've I've developed my business is actually just being good at what you say you're good at Mm. yeah and not promising things that you can't deliver Um, I'm as a PR I'm very honest in terms if a brand came to me and said we would like x y and z and I knew that wasn't feasible I I would have to be honest I I can't deliver that for you so you're Mm. essentially paying me for something that I can't deliver so Mm. that in that case that would be something that I probably wouldn't take on as a client Mm. yeah yeah no same I think I luckily I've been sitting in a position that all my clients currently are word of mouth um, people do, as it's natural, perhaps look at my Instagram, look at my Twitter before mm. they kind of get in contact or they go, but it has generally been word of mouth. But the same thing as, as Naomi, but in a, in a different way. Like if a client was looking for, I don't know, Olympic weightlifting, that's not my bag. Yeah, it's yeah. not something I'm good at. It's not something I, I do, nor am I qualified to do mm. so. And again, you would have to have that conversation about, you know, there are other people I can I can recommend. But yeah, it's, it's word of mouth. How come you decided to specialise in just doing women's, like... Why wouldn't you? I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I know exactly why you would. <laughs> But, but um, it is quite a bold strategy in that you are yeah. cutting off like half your potential. Absolutely. And that's what everyone said to me. But particularly in central London, there are thousands of personal trainers. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, my PR background gave me a bit of an insight into the fact that I was going to need a bit of differentiation, a bit of, uh, I don't know, just, yeah, just you kind of a, absolutely. I was trying to think of the, <laughs> I was trying to say USP. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I absolutely needed like a, a USP and that was something I wanted to do and I thought well I'm just going to go with it but like you say when you're starting off cutting off half half your audience is a bold move but I think you have to be bold in business Mm. you really do do you think we overstate social media in terms of actually gathering business I know people go and Mm. look on your Twitter and Instagram but in terms of just generating new business it sounds like more of it is coming from word of mouth than social yeah Yes and no. I do get a lot of business inquiries through my Instagram. And my Instagram is actually a personal Instagram. It's not even a business Instagram. Mm. So I think social media has its part to play. But I think ultimately word of mouth rules over that. If someone can recommend you to somebody, then Mm. it's... Uh, it has a lot more gravitas than just looking mm. at someone's images and seeing that she's oh she's a health and wellness PR I should get in touch with her mm. Mm. It's also a lot of your um, work has come through actually being a fan of the brand we've had Hilary mm-hmm. on podcast in the past and talked about Boom Cycle and she speaks so glowingly about you and how you like Boom Cycle and that was how that relationship started yeah so a lot of the clients that I've worked with I've actually been a customer of before mm. so whether that be fresh fitness food I actually used to have their food delivered to my house and that's how I developed that relationship relationship boom cycle um i was an instructor before i was their pr and that's how i got involved there so it it very much i only ever take on clients that i truly believe and would buy into myself before Mm. i represent them Mm. so again it comes back to if a client contacted me and it wasn't really something that is is my thing like you say Mm. weightlifting then i probably wouldn't represent it 
Yeah, yeah, just yeah. No, I I completely agree with everything Naomi said. I I do absolutely think that word of mouth is is king. And I've I, I've actually only had Instagram for two years. Um, I I'm kind of at the school of I guess I don't know. I used to Twitter is is my 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 bigger audience, my bigger following. I kind of actually prefer Twitter to Instagram. Um, do you think that's because you're the ladies that you PT are older? Yeah, I mean, I have quite a broad age range, but I think my personal preference for Instagram is that sorry for Twitter. Over Instagram is that I find it a nicer way of kind of engaging with people perhaps Perfect. yeah it's kind of a bit more conversation there mm. um I mean also, I'm, really, I'm also, all the way yeah um, absolutely I've also had it I think I opened my Twitter account in like 2011 I probably only opened Instagram two years ago so I think I'm a lot more comfortable with it and I used to use Twitter a lot for my previous job but I think I'm perhaps at the school of thought of like kind of keeping in contact with more traditional methods so kind of like emailing and and kind of phoning people that kind of thing rather than just relying on Instagram I think it's quite for me it's quite an unsettling business model that so many people younger people perhaps are just opening an Instagram account and thinking that is enough to have a successful long-term business it's Mm -hmm. probably fantastic for a couple of years and very clearly there are a lot of influencers doing incredibly well Mm -hmm. but is that a sustainable business model I don't know for me I don't think it is I think there has to be more substance to it perhaps I'm just I think I'm hesitant of anything where you put all your eggs in one basket and even yeah even if it's something that's really popular at the moment like we get comments the whole time you've been like I can't believe you've still got a magazine as if people don't read anymore yeah and it's like if it was if we just had an Instagram and then Instagram changes their algorithm I don't like the idea that our mm. future is in someone else's hands well, look what's happened with the algorithm you know over the last year mm-hmm. people are seeing a huge decline in um, engagement in people even seeing their posts let alone commenting on them yeah um, yeah for me I think, I think it's too risky. physical presence is is key, especially when working with clients. They they want to meet you. I'm sure yeah. you're the same with your PT clients. I always you wouldn't, first, yeah. you wouldn't chat to someone on Instagram and then they turn around and say, oh yeah, I'd love for you to be my PT. I think mm. it, it comes down to word of mouth, but then also networking and going out and actually speaking yeah. to people. And mm. um, the PR industry and journalism has changed so much. Like you just said, magazines don't really exist anymore, but physically meeting someone going out for breakfast with a journalist and actually chatting to them is has so much more worth than mm. just sending them an email yeah we we're, we think we do rely a bit too heavily on the online mm. on the online stuff how do you think that you can stand out um with your own business there are so many pts that loads of PR agencies how do you find your usb and do you have any tips for like that process of figuring out what your ethos is and how you translate that message to other people i was quite lucky when i started off so four four years ago was when when health and fitness was really taking off and it was when boom cycle had they were they'd been in holborn for probably <laughs> four six years and i had been a fan of going there and i i knew that like boutique fitness was was on the rise and we were getting more and more inquiries at the agency for health and fitness pr so i, I knew that it was something that was getting bigger and bigger so i knew that if i left i would have a niche there when i started out there wasn't really a freelancer that was specializing in health and wellness so for me that was great obviously now it's different story there are other freelancers that do it but it is just believing in yourself and the product that you're delivering Mm. for me as a PR again I wouldn't take on a client that I don't truly believe in and that's that's very transparent across my social media like I I use all of all of my clients I go to their classes so I think for me standing out as a PR it's just not peddling stuff you don't care about Mm. exactly and just being very I'm trying to think of the word Authentic. authentic. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Authentic. Authentic. In, authentic. 
and I think there are PRs out there who do health and wellness, but then they also look after jewellery brands, mm. and then they're then they're like, oh, we need to make more money, so we're going into beauty, and that's that's something that I wouldn't do because they're not really areas that I have a passion for, and I don't have the contact in that it's area. Kind of diluting their brand, is that I think exactly. So mm. people, I think people in the industry know yeah. what they they'll get if they come to me. Yeah, they've seen the results that that, that I've achieved for previous clients, yeah. and that's what they buy into. Mm. So if, yeah, we'll get pitch the whole time they'll be like there's this new boutique gym in Waterloo and while we've got your attention we've also got a great oat cake brand yeah and you're right. like you know there's not there's <laughs> yeah. there's too much of a variety you don't believe in what they're selling yeah no absolutely for me I think my USP is very clear I, I only work with women that was something I've done from day one it's never changed it never will change um and I think that's I think it's really it really has stood me in very good stead I think it gives me a bit of authenticity because I'm kind of actually doing what I say that I'm doing what I've always wanted to do the other thing I have always done is kind of work from a I guess a strength perspective rather than kind of an aesthetic perspective and it's really interesting that this year that seems to explode even more so Mm. I think it's kind of nice when you can know that you've been doing it very authentically like if someone looks at your very first instagram post that's what the message yeah. has always been versus people jumping on it at, without yeah absolutely people yeah. are very much jumping on it and kind of i think there's a huge difference between promoting something that's really good and really positive and using it to promote yourself mm. and that seems to be happening more and more without the authenticity which i think is authenticity I think in any business is absolutely vital yeah it's kind of nice but really annoying when the thing that you've been doing for really ages like, takes off like <laughs> we're the same as female entrepreneur stuff we've been doing mm. it for years and then all mm. of a sudden everything's like this girl can it's just, and, yeah it's just very frustrating that someone perhaps with a huge following can suddenly pick up an idea and mm. present it as if it's really pioneering mm. and it's just not the case well, it's like Louise Thompson being the face of body positivity I mean, yeah. that, I, I work very closely with um, a very influential blogger called Grace Victor who mm. is very heavily involved with, with body positivity and we've discussed that many times mm-hmm. and it was incredibly frustrating and actually just, it's just taking the name of something absolutely I think it was just as a I huge Grace disservice she's amazing yeah. Yeah. isn't she she does a huge I think it's just a huge disservice those women who are true pioneers and were truly pioneering something mm. and then they just yeah. anyway it could eat you alive the, yes. the fact that it annoys you so much I take it on as positivity mm-hmm. if someone else launches an agency that is exactly the same as mine I'm kind of like well there's a voice for everyone out mm. there there's there's enough clients to share yeah. they might have different interests to what I have yeah. so I don't really see them or I have competitors but I don't really see them as threats mm-hmm. um, and I think the health and wellness industry especially is a very positive place to be everyone champions each other and sometimes I go for um, drinks with PRs who do exactly the same as me and yeah. there, there's no kind of like hate there there's no, no yeah I think it's, it's nice it's nice I think I'm PTs. moving industries personally yeah <laughs> no it's I had the same thing with PTs like some of my closest friends now are other female PTs that mm-hmm. I've met in the last two years Mm-hmm. Um, yeah and it's the same thing I think particularly as I've got older I've started to see people less as a threat mm-hmm. or as competition and more mm-hmm. about like learning stuff like every yeah. time I go to a class every time I speak to another PT I learn something and take it into my own sessions yeah so I think that's quite a nice I think that's quite a social people. change of the last few years of yeah. not seeing each other as competition I think response to whatever movement it was I do feel like women are now actually being supported rather than just saying they are I find yeah. that there's a lot more communities and a lot more positivity just mm. in work 
work generally. Um, when it comes to being productive when working for yourself and also like finding a work-life balance, I know that's something that can be so challenging mm-hmm. when you're your own boss. Um, do you have any tips to share on work-life balance, productivity, and basically just not losing your mind? So when I first started, I was work, work, work. Even things that I thought weren't work, now I look back on it, they were definitely work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was spending seven days a week doing just that. And I now prioritise actually taking a holiday and don't get me wrong I still have to work on my holidays because obviously I still work for myself but it's it's actually telling yourself you know I'm going away I might have to do like a couple of hours work a day but you are also taking time to kind of let go of everything mm-hmm. and also at the weekend it's not time to get on your emails people might email you at the weekend that doesn't mean you have to respond mm. and it actually really really annoys me when people email me at the weekend because a, they expect a response, and it's something that I would never do. Yeah, um, I've got a very good tool which is called HubSpot, mm-hmm. where you can schedule emails. So if you do have that really awful day where you're like, "Oh my god, I'm in the I'm in the office and it's eight o'clock at night," and I then schedule my email to be sent first thing tomorrow morning, so it doesn't look like I'm in the office, but I am. But I try not to make that a frequent thing. Mm-hmm. I try to actually switch off and use my time productively so in the morning I get up walk my dog go to the gym then I work and then in the evening it's it's my time mm. to go out for dinner or so it, it really is kind of cutting off your day when it should really end rather than letting it so just it's like working into the night and mm-hmm. stuff yeah I actually there's two things firstly I'm a huge list maker I absolutely love a list I always have done mm-hmm. I kind of know what I have to obviously aside from client sessions I have to invoice program whatever there's plan my I work for um, Twin Spoon Studio so like look at my music for there um but I've actually so I make lists I'm a huge like to-do person and then I also actively block time out of my diary and that is like to make sure that I get all my admin done but I also make sure that every week I block a day two days off so nothing is booked in there and that is so that I can actually see myself (laughs) the whole reason I went self-employed in the first place um if I don't book that time out of my diary I will fill it Mm. I will just go and do one client or one email one phone call whatever and then before you know it it's two hours three hours out of your day so I think blocking time out and getting organized is huge I think it makes you much more productive it's kind of like giving yourself time off is one of the more challenging things I just totally often will just feel guilty if I'm not working Mm. on a weekend Mm. it's like I didn't like I mean I never had a job but if I had quit a job to be self-employed I wouldn't have done it to work harder and work more actually I had Emma Gannon on the show a few um, episodes back and she was like you want to work less like mm. don't we realize that that like we shouldn't be trying to work mm. way more but actually work less but be more productive and produce better work at yeah. the same time which is now my goal in life I think there is a stigma attached to the nine till five to five life and if you're not working at two o'clock in the afternoon you should you should feel guilty about (laughs) it and ultimately I know if I if I get up in the morning and I've had five hours of really productive work I'm like okay my to-do list is done then that's fine Mm. but if I equally have loads of work to do I then have to say okay so we're starting work at nine taking a break at lunchtime finishing at six and anything that's not done no one is no one Mm. will die Mm. it can go till tomorrow yeah I think not yeah exactly absolutely I think social media has a big part to play in that as well particularly Instagram with this kind of like in the fitness industry perhaps um like this whole no rest days like everyone's Mm. always hustling Mm. everyone's kind of like and I think also Instagram stories people like oh my god it's 5am like I've all done a workout you know I've done my to-do list I've done this and it's you know I think it can be quite a lot of pressure on other mm. people to keep up with people mm. that seem to be constantly on the go 
Um, I think the fitness industry in particular is pretty intimidating. Very. It's be, a lot more like for hard, yeah, fast, like pressure and just mm. feels like a lot mm. compared to other industries. I think it's a lot expensive for you. I think it can be. I think it depends, number one, on who you follow um, mm. on your social media. I think there are people who are a lot more um, perhaps normal, for want, for want of a better word. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think if, I think the main thing with social media, if something makes you feel rubbish, then you need to unfollow it. Like, yeah. just that's, get rid of it out of your feed. massively though. When I, when I first started instructing at Boom Cycle, mm. everyone appeared on social media to just be nailing workouts every yeah. single day. And there was no chat around overtraining or how you're fueling your body that none of that really mm. existed. And I myself became one of those people. I was like, oh, I haven't had a rest day in like seven days. But it was almost like, you weren't thinking about yourself and then all of a sudden something happens and it makes you think okay this probably isn't the way to be treating my body yeah. and I do think that social media has had a massive part to play in actually educating normal people what is good and what is bad mm. there are a lot of social mm. media influencers out there Tally Rye is fantastic she will be totally honest she's like I just don't want to work out today my body's not feeling it I it's not a good idea for me or I've had a lot on this week I've had a lot of stress mm. doing a HIIT workout is not good I should be going to yoga mm. so I do think social media is good mm. in that respect it's refreshing to see those faces particularly people who have, who have big platforms kind of yeah. spreading a positive message it's really yeah. nice hit like we don't talk about how stressful hit is like it's so really stressful, stressful. really and stressful there's, like, there's a great hit gym in west Hampstead, which i'm like a member of and sometimes be like oh i'm really stressed out what i need is a hit gym i'm no, like it's actually, the last I thing you need like really loud music like i'm in a club yeah. and like being shouted at by someone yeah. while i do burpees actually yeah. often and then like why don't i feel better so no. obviously i just need to like lie in the bath <laughs> i think the thing with hit is i think a lot of the time people who are doing it all the time are actually doing like mix to do like a medium intensity rather than a high yeah and I just yeah I think there's this thing about like every workout you have to nail and mm. you have to be like 100% and that's just not always the case yeah but it's it good has its place yeah totally but I don't think there's not a one size fits all for for people especially yeah. working in London where a lot of people have very stressful jobs and actually mm. getting up at 5am to go and do a hit session isn't going to make you productive in mm. your actual job and mm. like just living in London generally is stressful yeah. and I think yeah. we underestimate actually just like going how on the tubes like a hit workout is. itself yeah isn't it <laughs> living in London yeah Naomi do you have any tips for like good PR so say um, any listeners out there who are thinking of launching a fitness brand just like top line stuff that perhaps you tell your clients in terms of like getting publicity for your brand yeah so there's a lot of competition in the industry now and the key thing for me obviously journalists are looking for something new something innovative but it's not always being innovative in your product so it could be a spinning gym but it's the brands that you're collaborating with and doing cool partnerships like we at boom cycle we've we've done loads of things over the years like we've collaborated with red bull and so in order to have a good pr you need a great marketing team at the same time mm. and your pr and marketing then works together so they come up with your brand partnerships and it actually gives you as a pr something to talk about so you might have a great brand but you can't just rely on the brand mm. to then a PR isn't a miracle worker they yeah. aren't there are so many opportunities that you can get without having an extra hook but you have to have things continually going on so that you are at the forefront of trends and you're being seen by consumers to do really c cool stuff mm. so actually having something to PR yeah like, it, it's the worst thing for a PR when you get a brand and it's like so we're a protein brand 
and we're basically the same as everybody else. And you're kind of like, okay, so how exactly am I standing out? Like making you, I can do my job as a PR with my contacts and I can reshape your story as many times as, as possible, but you need to be doing some cool stuff. You need some cool ambassadors yeah. or you need to be working with influencers. So there are so many ways now that brands need to take their marketing further in order to aid their PR. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing. Well, you've been the most wonderful guest and I'm so lucky. If people would like to find out more about you, or follow you where on the internet do you live I am on Instagram under Hannah Lewin and underscore Lewin and Twitter at Hannah Lewin you can find me I have a website I've just redone oh and a website yeah it's it's exactly hannahlewin.com <laughs> you're better at PR than I am Naomi mine's naomiwhitecommunications.com and then I am on Instagram bambi underscore nay long story bye oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I was interested something for another podcast thank you so much for joining me guys How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. enjoyed this episode don't forget to rate review and subscribe there's a new episode out every monday which will be inspiring your entrepreneurial journey and if you are inspired by this episode and want to launch your own business then there is a home for you at work life you can find out more at work.life and they've got a special summer open house taking place this summer where a lot of their workspaces are open for the week for you to come and enjoy for free
This has been the Candy Store production for Work Life, hosted by Angelica Malin and produced by Van Connor. T-shirt weather by Poddington Bear appears under Creative Commons 3.0 with podcast recording facilities in partnership with Work Life. Visit work.life for more information. You can find us at candystoreproductions.co.uk. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 